going to title this podcast just pathway pathway it could be pathway to a good thing or a bad thing they're just called pathway because many of the times that we find ourselves on this path as children who are quote and quote special yet rejected so i sought to find out what is the pathway that leads to a rejected child and adults who ultimately don't understand the potency of their power within people who just settle they settle because they got beat down by the world and nobody tells them who they truly are so the spirit of the lord brought this verse to my mind just as i was hopping into the shower uh, in the bathroom and he said he reminded me of a scripture that said that the more that the egyptians oppressed the israelites the more they multiplied and expanded now i didn't initially connect this with my train of thought later on but i started to think about people who the enemy stole their destinies and their power and their voice and this is how i conclude that it happened initially as with the story of the israelites and pharaoh pharaoh realized that the israelites were becoming too many populous and they were also becoming a threat to him and what happened is, is this created a macro level of fear because he started to seek to annihilate them and this created a genocide in this environment of fear and anxiety jacobet has a baby boy the very same gender that is being sought out by pharaoh so the leader of the land is seeking to kill her baby and this creates a micro level of anxiety she's anxious she's fearful even probably through her entire pregnancy now at birth she wants to make sure that the child is saved every mother would want to ensure that their children are safe and they're protected but she can't hide him any longer so let's zoom in a little bit on her emotional state as a mother she has an unexpected uh, source of fear or stigma this could have probably been a normal childbirth a normal you know joyful occasion but it's instead a source of fear now sometimes in other cases the parent or the father could be full of shame and regret think about the birth of jesus he was born out of wedlock and it could be the case for many people who are born out of the out of wedlock where there's a level of distancing by the father and therefore because this is not the true father he distances the mother now i'm not saying that's what happened for jesus but in most human cases if the father doesn't explain doesn't know where this child is from he knows it is not my child he will pass on the rejection to the mother and the mother 
passes on the rejection to the child. But before I even talk about rejection, let's go back to Jacobet. So in the case of um, Moses' mother, she was trying her best to hide her baby. But she also realized she couldn't do it much longer. And the truth of what uh, was happening in her closet that she was keeping this child could cost her her life and cost her her baby's life. So what she ends up doing is hide the child, but no longer can she hide him. So what does she do? She puts him in a basket. How many times do we try or how many times have parents tried to hide their children? And they try to hide them by masking them, putting on a false image on them, making them something that they are not originally meant to be because they're trying to explain their child to society, trying to explain their child, trying to explain away their giftings because they don't see them as giftings, but as weaknesses, trying to explain away who their, their light really should be and trying to lower it so that people don't notice and treat them as normal. They want the child to be normal by being average. Yet these are people who are gifted in areas that society may not be immediately willing to acknowledge. In the case of Jephthah, he was a child born out of, let's say, the conventional, traditional, you know, parameters. Same as David. And we see this rejection slipping up to the parent. The parent is the one who experiences a sense of potential rejection. And that fear and anxiety causes the child to sense that they are not completely accepted. And then it plays out in their life by living a life of isolation and separation. Not knowing that this same isolation and separation is what will lead them closer to their destiny as they get to know themselves. And that's what happened to Jephthah. When he was disowned by his brothers, he, the leader in him sprung up, yes, in a gang leadership, but so was David. At some point, he was the leader of all the disowned underdogs of society. And so was Jesus. He was more known to the poor, to those who are languishing, to those who are in need, than those who are in Achilleans, in the upper echelon of society, who really didn't see the need for him. Well, so, in this spirit of rejection, then comes the robbery. The robbery, the child, even when they are not yet born, are robbed of their true identity, they are robbed of a celebrated birth, they are robbed of um, the celebration of their life, which gives them stability. So they become, they then become insecure, and the the family all along is thinking of their own security because of the fear that has been uh, put upon them, either by a ruler or a leader or even a pastor or even somebody who is in direct influence over them. And this person could be telling them, "Look." disown your child get rid of them you know let them go 
and in protection of themselves and the child probably as they rationalize the solution becomes a rationalized solution i will give them up to adoption i will send them away to a relative i will have something to do with them but nothing to do with them you know i will put them on the river and see what happens and i'll watch from a distance i'll send somebody to watch from a distance so the caveat here is that god can still use all those human solutions to bring out something beautiful that god had initially intended for long story short in chakopet's case moses ended up being a threat to pharaoh a direct threat jesus was a direct threat to herod the whole entire genocide in the eras and the generations of moses and jesus was because of one single individual how many genocides have we seen on this earth that could probably be because of a savior a deliverer a powerful human being that had been released in the earth realm because they were going to set thousands millions billions free of their captivity and yet their parents had to undergo persecution to let that promise of deliverance that seed of salvation find breath see light of day of any sort so you need to see there's a correlation between rejection and power the people who are most persecuted most rejected most mostly you know sought to be killed or gotten rid of are the most powerful it's really because of their power because of their power the realm of darkness seeks to frustrate frustrate the very the very notion or even the very promise of them ever becoming ever becoming what they were meant to be which is incandescence their incandescence their light their light is dimmed early on it's sought to be dimmed so the fierceness of these people Moses David Jephthah Jesus their fierceness was a threat my fierceness is a threat my fierceness is a threat read Jesus read read Jesus what he was to Herod the reason you're trying to get rid of me for most people this is true the reason you're trying to get rid of me is precisely because I'm powerful the correlation between rejection and power what moses was or the israelites were to pharaoh they were a threat what joseph was to uh, to his brothers he was a threat to them which led to persecution and targeting of his parents first and by the time they were born they were imbued and encapsulated in a micro and macro environment of anxiety depression even jealousy joseph joseph's fear was passed on why because jacob was fearful of losing him as he had lost 
Rachel. So there's a microfear there. And so Jacob held on more tightly to Joseph and Benjamin because that's what Rachel, his beloved, had left. Now the Egyptians in the case of Moses dreaded and were exasperated by Israelites. Dreaded and were exasperated. So the thing that caused fear to the Egyptians is what ended up causing fear to thousands of Israelites. They were feared because they were causing fear. In other words, the things that caused fear onto the Israelites, onto the parents of these great men and women, were themselves fearful of them. The thing that is making you afraid is afraid of you. Aha! Aha moment right there. The thing that is causing you fear is really afraid of you. So the parents experience fear and anxiety based on the macro fear instilled by could be society from a demonic principle. This demonic principle is really afraid of what these people could have done. Herod was under demonic principality. That's why he was afraid of the Israelites because this demonic principality knew the power and the promise and ultimate salvation that would come out of the Israelites. The demonic principle influences a human influence or power are directly linked to the caregiver of the parent or one who brings forth the child. Now this could be a spiritual child. For some of us, it's a spiritual birthing of a business idea, of a mission, of a, a non-profit, of something that we're thinking of giving birth to. That very thing is a threat. So your parents will be feeling threatened and there could be someone who's putting that pressure on them to give you up, to disown you. And the people who are closest to you are sold out to disenfranchise you, to reject you, to sell you out, to betray you. The demonized, uh, this is my third point, the demonized or demonically influenced ruler or influencer seeks to inflict pain, fear, and unrest and discomfort on the human agent. And that agent passes on that fear to the people who are closest to you. That's why you, some of us, some of you will always get the most warfare from the people who are immediately connected to you. And the pressure is that they should, they're convinced that they should get rid of the star, the baby, the child of promise. In this case, you will see that their, uh, the parents in their perplexity ended up giving up Moses because they were given an ultimatum. The parents are given an ultimatum. Either reject themselves see themselves they end up either rejecting themselves seeing themselves as unworthy and or reject the child 
all along the child could be used as an excuse why they did not they did not or will not make it in life why this child could be used as a reason why they will not have the right standing in society in the babylonian system there are systems that are set there are rules that are used to order society and most of these rules favor either a race a gender a wealth a wealth level or income level and those are privileges that are set given certain parameters that are meant to discriminate and divide to create a distinction based on division now the brothers of joseph ended up being his persecutors in most of the cases the sibling here it could be a real sibling or a spiritual sibling or just sisters and brothers in a in a larger setting even from the same clan or the same you know tribe or the same race could end up seeing this person as a threat to them because they are bringing on them undue suffering because of their favor they end up being jealous of the very pe- the very people that will become their salvation and the very people they should be supportive of their attitude joseph's brothers attitude even david's brothers look at the attitude of the brothers when he comes to the front lines to kill Goliath and you know if they knew he was going to kill Goliath the Eliab would have been nicer but because the enemy has masked them and has blinded their eyes they only see trouble because of their own insecurity they know that this person is more gifted on so many levels more grounded less pretentious more favored by god more forthright more 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 and when the parents are discomforted the siblings see the child as a destabilizer and a threat to their comfort in and social ease as someone who brings trouble to them instead of salvation and they always find a way to diminish them now this pressure on the parents could also cause eventual decisions to unfavorable outcomes towards the child Now here a parent could also be a divine helper someone who's supposed to actually reach out and help you out and incubate you incubate your ideas incubate you and ensure that you're not thrown out to the elements they could begin an ultimatum and forced to cast you out the the caregiver could be forced to give you up or disinherit you or are you actually the one that who is the caregiver and the midwife or the person who should be birthing something and you're facing an ultimatum to either keep or disown so the 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 people the parents here could be forced to disown their own children or they could in Joseph's case be held in awe and wonder of that child and eventually this all would result in jealousy by the siblings who notice the distinction in the case of Jacobet I call her Jacobet I don't think that's her name I'll check her name she dedicated Moses to God 
she left him in God's hands and so should we thank you for listening tune in next time my people perish for lack of knowledge there's a way that seems right to a man but therein lies death all is not well that seems well all that glitters is not gold the time and signs have been weighed carefully to reflect only what they truly represent your life just begun but at that very moment it ended the journey of so many people who went before all they wanted was to become rich for fame and fortune they had pity on others but they did not know that those who begged at their table wished them no good if it were a stranger i would not have complained but alas it was my very beloved you supped together shared deep secrets and swore to each other this is the one who betrays there's nothing you wouldn't have done for them and there's nothing they would or so you thought have done for you they went short of killing you with their bare hands but that too crossed their mind one once or twice but they wouldn't gather the courage no bear the loss to their reputation i dare not be esteemed as a murderer yet that is exactly what they are it is however to their utmost interest that their image remains untainted and you remain a victim an underdog to whom they throw pieces of silver some cheap left over and congratulate themselves for such a gesture of generosity hoping that you do also recognize and acknowledge how nice they have been to you they ensured that you were broke didn't they take your name to an evil altar to curse you to stagnancy then they positioned themselves as your true comrade and friend yet they were vipers your worst enemy the lord works in mysterious ways on our road to greatness their turns and their twists their corners and their sudden drops that seem like you're falling down from a high
cliff thousands and thousands of feet above the ground or ground uh, sea level well notice god says that he works all things together for good for those who love him and according to his purposes you're gonna realize that if you have been called to your purpose you are going to experience high highs and low lows and most of the time it seems like it's a downward fall but in all the twists and turns and the corners god has orchestrated this amazing tapestry that you're not going to see from the weaving of one strand of yarn across the you know the tapestry you need to step back and see what god is doing from a, a what i call an eagle's view and what is interesting is that in the way that god works in the moment it doesn't make sense until it is put in a context i mean look at daniel daniel was put in a lion's den in that particular moment that particular edict when it was signed that people who were not worshipping God would be thrown into a lion's den. It did not seem like he was in his purpose. And yet because of him, the king and the ruler who was over him made an edict and a law that all people should worship and acknowledge Yahweh, Elohim. Now look at Joseph. At the moment he's being sold to slavery by his own brothers, his own brothers it is not a point at which he is seeing that he is going to become because of that very act of being sold into uh, into slavery it did not seem that he was going to then become prime minister out of that so in, if we take snippets and slices just like any other movie or video or clip it's not going to make sense just working on uh, looking at that one second clip or two seconds of let's say a one hour uh, video or movie or clip so we're going to have to look at what did god tell us from the beginning god has been asking you to do something god has been pushing you to be something god has been moving you along a trajectory what was it that he wanted to achieve and the way jesus mind works and the way the lord works it is that it's the beginning is just a fulfillment of the end. So when you work from the end, the beginning, the middle, three-quarter way, it makes sense. But half the time, we don't see the bigger picture because we're struggling just to survive on what is happening right now. We're trying to just get solutions for the minute, trying to just make it another day and survive another second. I strongly believe, and this is a conviction I had this morning, that the reason why Jesus was not faced by anything that he came across, yes, it may, it may have shaken him, or it, it didn't even shake him. We're not, we don't see that anywhere. We don't see any fear. We don't see any drawing back. We don't see any of that, except at the very end when he prays, Father, if it be your will, nevertheless, not my will, but, but thine, if it be your will that you take away this cup. You don't see him shrieking oh, or even turning away from his adversaries because he knew his end was to save humanity, the entire world. If we get to understand our purposes and what it is that we're fighting and, and being fought about, then it is not a surprise. 
that the enemy would come against us, that our flesh would work to sabotage us, that the people around us would be seemingly the best instrument that the devil could use against us. If we just got to see the end, then you got to, you get to understand all the in-betweens and the intervals and the phases, the interfaces and the stages of development into what God called you in its fullness. And that maturity, growth and development is not going to go unchallenged. And we must learn to expect a challenge. In fact, to welcome it because it means you're growing and because you need to grow, then you're going to face an exam. And that exam will only uh, be focused or seem to achieve one purpose, which is to graduate you. If it doesn't graduate you, then you have to keep growing that muscle of whatever it is that God is asking you to grow, whether it is a personality issue or a, a place of prayer or reading the word. God will tell you where you need to strengthen that muscle so that it grows you to the next point or level of your purpose. And this is what we call destiny markers or checkers. There's always going to be an exam. There's always going to be an assessment. At some level, you'll be tested so that you can move to the next level. And Jesus went through it. Everybody has gone through it. It is not specific or special to to you as an individual who's listening that things will come against you to test you to try you to grow you to mold you and to make you a stronger and better person everybody did go through it if you think about it moses did and he had that conversation with god and he asked him really how am i supposed to do this i'm a stutterer the thing is even your own fleshly weaknesses are not going to get in the way of what God has planned for you. Why? Because he can change anything and everything, anything really is possible for him. So you're the one that needs to overcome your own fear and your own inhibitions, whether real or perceived. And most of the time they're perceived because God changes everything. So be encouraged. It is not the end. It is just part of the process to making you greater. So God will make you stand on tippy toes. It's amazing how you know, you take so much for granted. You take so much of we take so much of our natural abilities and our gifts for granted it's like i'm going to live to see another day and i'm going to have another second of breath and it's almost like yeah so what it's gonna happen anyway i see nothing is guaranteed and to be honest it's all a gift from god and he keeps renewing his covenant with you every other second of every other minute of every other day we just take so much for granted and earlier i had talked about how even the enemy is used to remind us just how oh it was on facebook not here but just how much we have and how in our own desperation we get to meet with the purposes and the destiny that God has given to us 
and his bigger picture and his bigger plans are actually fulfilled in our lows and our low moments but you know he will make you recognize god will make you recognize just how much he's given to you and reckon with it like account for it just like the parable of the 10 tal and the 5 talents and the 2 and the don't was given um was it 5 and 2 and 1 and you realize that if you had invested in something you do want a return don't you you want a return on investment you, you want to get back at least some of what you sowed or what you put in and and now I understand why there's so many parables about farmers and sowing and because you as a farmer you expect that there will be a harvest and you know as I said to somebody preaching the other day and he was saying that the, one of the most I'd say positively presumptuous people are farmers because they just expect that there will be a harvest. Um, they come back expecting to see something. It's a small miracle. It is a miracle, but, you know, sowers expect to reap. Expect to reap. Otherwise, you wouldn't sow, would you? You'd say oh, this is this is not the crop that grows here, or this is not the weather for for planting or sowing in this in this place. But now that you're actually going out of your way to invest, that means that there is an expectation of a return. So I guess that's what it is with God that He actually has given us this treasure within us that is expected to yield and he starts to stir up a hunger and a thirst to know who we really are so that he can bring out those natural abilities that he's put in us so that you start to ask yourself what am I really meant to be doing on this earth and what is really my purpose because that is going to lead you to discovering him in the process because you're not going to hack some things by your strength it's not gonna happen so enter demons which is really what i want to talk about enter demons and wicked spirits and wicked men and and wicked women who are used by the devil sometimes we just allow things in our lives that shouldn't be they just shouldn't be and this this conc- concentrated and, and very complicated word we call strongholds is really just an acquired and repetitive pattern of a way of thinking and doing things that we stopped questioning even our forefathers stopped questioning they just did things and they just practiced things and passed it down whether it was prejudice or murder or theft or drunkenness it was like hey welcome to the family this is what we do it's almost like the sopranos we just kill people big deal so i thought about it and i was like oh my gosh if the demon did not appear in most of us 
our, our lives and for most of us we wouldn't be fighting to know God you know why because he knew if he allows this trouble to come upon you you're gonna reach out to him if you don't reach out to the bottle and if you don't reach out to any other abuse of substance or whatever you are going to get to your wits and and cry out to him you need to read um, I'm not gonna read it for you. you need to read Psalm 107 actually I could read maybe one verse or two it says in, in, in almost every scenario there's a consistent verse then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress it's the same thing with us when we are in our darkest moments and at our wits end guess what you do get to that point where you will cry out to God you do and you will you will hopefully and it's a blessing if you do because it's assured and it says in verse 28 then he delivered them from their distress and he delivered them from their distress and he delivered them and he delivered them and he delivered them so I I, I just want to say at the risk of sounding very insensitive and sarcastic maybe but happy being in trouble I mean enjoy it I mean well I hope you get in trouble <laughs> because because if it's that if that's what it's gonna take for you to cry out by all means by all means get in it because let God help you discover who he truly is actually let the trouble help you discover who God truly is because from there you will never have any doubt in your mind no doubt in your mind and you won't be trying to self-medicate anymore or placate yourself or placate your demons using any other means other than the blood of Jesus You do get to that realization eventually if you cry out you will be delivered you will be delivered so so demons are actually our pathway I would say to greatness I promise you you will not get anywhere without a challenge and a good fight. You know the beauty is when you stand your position and defend your ground, Jesus comes in to back you up with his supernatural army. When Joshua went to conquer Jericho, the Lord of the armies of heaven showed up the night previously just the night before probably that morning maybe it was very early in the morning I don't know what time it was 
but before he went to physical battle there was already a spiritual army and a spiritual battle that had been guaranteed to be won so that then when he was going to conquer a physical city spiritually the city had been won and when they went to ask Rahab or rather to to spy Rahab told them the inhabitants are already melting with fear but then the final victory had to be won when the walls of Jericho came tumbling down as we sing already there was a spiritual war that had been won using a spiritual army so may you call and learn to call upon the name of the lord so that he can send his spiritual armies and those are the, that's the real battle by the way the physical is just confirmation the victory on the ground is just confirmation that you've won in another territory which is the territory that really counts you need to make your entry in the spiritual realm and it needs to be a grand entry so all the best all the best So the enemy hates it when we are confident about ourselves and who we are in Christ. Um I just thinking back from when I was a child, I think the first thing that the enemy sought to steal was yes, a my joy, b my confidence. When um you know you're branded as a shy person or you have all these skin diseases and it seems like you could never have a clear skin tone you know i had pimples it was in pimples it was a rash it was in a rash it was something it was always breaking out and of course now i know it's 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 very demonic but you know then it was explained away with all sorts of things and now a lot of people have talked about eczema actually being an emotional but also very spiritual related issue where you know the, the there's a stress involved and probably even post and prenatal issues a lot of prenatal issues actually um witchcraft and all sorts of things but you know as a as a kid you you're not told that so mostly i would find that i had more solace being by myself because i wasn't going to start explaining why i have what and what on me what rash and what pimple and whatever and being a sensitive kid those are things that got to me being a sensitive little girl and trying to look for um what i would say friendship and yes even affirmation and validation it's something that we look for all through life and um even older people surprisingly i'm surprised sometimes that you know people in their 40s or 50s or 60s are still seeking to fit in and do things that are normal and be part of a club so anywho uh you know the enemy will try to use what is already as i already talked about that or what is already a given and a generally accepted 
um, trait in the family and it's like in this family we are drunkards or we are you know we have eczema that runs in the family for me my dad had it and it was almost like oh you have it no big surprise your father has it but no you know that makes you settle and okay i was talking about what the enemy stole so it was confidence and it was a lot of um robbed peace you know just peace like i couldn't do anything right i couldn't do anything right most of the time my mother was on my case there was something i was doing wrong anytime almost every time and um the demonic realm starts to work on you really early really early and because um they don't want you to succeed in your calling or in your greatness let me just stick to greatness they don't want you to succeed in your greatness uh and in your pursuit for greatness they start working on you as a baby so you know your mother had um what is it called like postnatal depression you know or they were fighting when she was expecting you or you know there was a demonic um attack on her already from her youth or some traumatic experience that caused your birth not necessarily to herald a good thing so in you come and i have talked about this in a previous um podcast about how you you get into the world and already the atmosphere is against you it has already been stirred up to quote and quote not be welcoming or not to welcome you um it's a bit of trepidation you yes people want to be nice and they smile it's like mm, you know that fake smile it's like you know there's a level of genuineness that is missing it's not genuine and the love seems to be conditional so anyway that's what i got into and they couldn't seem to do anything right and what the enemy does when he steals your joy your confidence your peace you almost start at a negative you start at a high disadvantage because now you have to work with um what you have which is a crippled soul and spirit um just like a physical body where you're born uh you could you could have someone who's born without a limb or you know blind or deaf or dumb and of course you know that you have to treat them differently if i was blind for instance then i would use braille or have to use certain gadgets and and those are things that come in to help the person live a normal life but there are implications to it so the same way we get to um experience a level of incapacitation or decapacitation is is there a word like that or let me use that incapacity in the terms of your soul because of the damage that has happened in the spirit and even in the emotions and even the mind so you you don't you don't get aids to help you with that um somehow medicine did go way ahead of emotional and even um psychological health you know mental health so we don't really get to talk about our deficiencies on a cellular level which is basically your will your emotions and your thoughts or your mind 
So later on in life, when the challenges start to build up, is when we start to try and fix things like what went wrong, where. And it's not always that you get the answers in a medical field and you will not get the answers in psychology. You probably won't even get the answers in a church. (laughs) Ironically, because Jesus came to make us whole in all areas of our lives. So so at this point, you, you need to have that conversation with God and luckily when we do have that conversation with God he will show you I have had lots of revelation coming from God in dreams in insight in what I would call maybe spiritual understanding and just connecting dots from different sources of information that have all led me to understand what kind of scenario I got to get into this world under and the kinds of um, even ancestral um, heritage that I had which of course I wasn't there to witness it or to understand it but the Holy Ghost was there God was there definitely so he knows what you um, your parents and their their parents and their parents and their parents um, were fighting through so for some reason now I'm reminded of Absalom and David and David had um, you know a little issue or challenge being accepted into his own family if you remember Samuel actually has to ask is there somebody who's not seated at the table who is not at the table for dinner and you know David David's father Jesse is like oh yeah I have a son, but he's out, you know, taking care of the sheep. It's like he wasn't even counted worthy to sit at the table or or wasn't considered important enough to be in the presence of the prophet Samuel. So when you look at that and the level of disownment and how he treats Absalom and the, and the whole issue with the, what was his name? Um, the one who slept with Tamar, right? And then how he treats the whole scenario and then withdraws from from it, like almost like numbs his emotions. And it takes Jehu to tell him through a woman who he coaches on what to say to get him to call or ask Absalom back into the, the fold. And then, of course, Absalom then raises uh, against him and has his, you know, almost coup d'etat and yeah and David has to run for his life so the things that chase us down because of things that our parents or their parents or grandparents never dealt with and those things steal our confidence because you don't know what you're fighting it wasn't your battle but it was passed on to you you know like you were not there to even have a say on whether you should carry that burden. But people already had that decapacitation or incapacitation to the point where they were so broken. When you came into the world, they were already broken. And you couldn't get through to them in that area. They were just numb. Like David, I guess he just numbed it. I think he just you know, moved on, 
became king and later on had his own kids and you know never ever revisited his emotions so i don't want to make this too long but generally i guess what i'm saying is that we need to go back and ask god to show us where the deficiencies are in our spirit man even in our emotions in our will and in our mind in the soul why are we feeling how we're feeling why is it that we think how we think why is it that um there's a lack of joy or lack of peace or lack of confidence what stole that confidence and you're never really gonna rise to anything without some level of confidence because i mean the world is an arena it's an arena and when you're in an arena you need to perform you need to perform if you're going to be noticed you need to outperform and i think about sports like the olympics you can't have a shy gymnast gymnast gym gymnastics person yeah you can't have a shy runner or a i mean really at the end of the day you have to want to stand out and come out and be noticed and get off the wall you can't be a wallflower and you can't be you know just by yourself taking care of you know just yourself and your small little you know issues here and there there's a level to which you need to open yourself up to the world so um if you're not willing to do that i mean think about steve jobs he had to make those presentations if he didn't make those presentations we wouldn't have warmed up to apple like we have not that i have anything apple but you know people really wouldn't have known apple at all but we know him we know them the products because we knew him and we knew what he worked towards right and so he needed to step up to the arena um anybody else you could think of them great people who have left a legacy martin luther king they needed to step up they really did they really did even if they did it quietly it was to some extent a very public statement and you need to be willing to accept that we will have to go public at some point with our opinions and with our gifts with what god has given us in terms of our talent and even to the point where you influence other people to also hone their own skills and abilities you would have to come out somehow some way so you need to be confident in your own self you need to be confident in your convictions and you need to be confident about voicing those convictions um whether by vocalizing them or by your actions so in conclusion let's take back what was lost let's take back what you know 
cliche but true the enemy stole me because it wasn't his to have in the first place it wasn't hi everybody um thank you for tuning in um and i hope you are well from wherever you're watching or rather listening i just want to talk about as we continue in this um larger focus on greatness one of the things that i have noticed or observed on your growth to becoming who god truly created you to be like who he truly i mean we we are created to be different things is um different elements of who we are that are going to show up as part of our journey as i mean as jacob calls it in our years of sojourning because we are not on earth we are not on earth forever there are sick concepts that say that you can come back and reincarnation and all that no we're not here forever and we'll not live forever in the short span of time which is like a breath the book of psalms talk, talks about us being like grass that withers it's here now and tomorrow we're gone in the span of life that we have there's a certain work that is unique to us and it's in some sense multifaceted but everything comes together to define the grand work or purpose or mission that God centers as our father is sent us as emissaries or as ambassadors to come here and do certain things and everybody was given a role there's nobody i believe there's nobody who truly um has no purpose for their existence everybody does the only distinction is whether a you get to know it b you get to do it see you get to accomplish it cuz you could do it but not reach completion and we could discover it but not actually begin to do the work and i don't want to call it work because it's not just work it is it is a mission it is a mission it's very specific to how we are our makeup is specific to our makeup as individuals and different elements end up um con- we are consisted of different elements that end up creating who we are and our makeup has different sides to it and different components these components include the family we came from and the impact that they had on us from childhood from the day we were born the society we lived in the country even the people we met in the school we attended the neighborhood 
the com- the campuses or the university the institutes of learning the generation that era what was it i mean is it the 1900s was it a pre or post um the computer or is it pre post internet all those things come together even your particular generation so um one of the things that i want to talk about today um there are probably two or three things and one of them is that a we do have a mandate and there there's a book written jesus said i come by the volume of the book that is written of me um i think spoiler quello not that I, not that i'm um advertising or advocating for his work um but he talks about it is written it is written as much as it is written you need to realize that that manuscript may not be for public um inspection but the heavenly realms a spirit realm may have access to what is written of you so first of all who wrote i believe that the spirit of god wrote i believe that god the father who is our father that means he begot us uh he not just created uh, as in ter- in sort of um physical cells he also gave us our essence which is our breath and and breath here is not just breathing in and out but it's our true essence that is our soul and our spirit as spirit came from him and the souls it says in the word of god all souls belong to me and it's the book of isaiah if your soul belongs to god there are certain things that it contains that he very well put there intentionally and they were supposed to achieve a certain outcome think about it like a program or code that is supposed to achieve a certain application when people code and program something a machine it's supposed to achieve something so whatever we have in us as code is supposed to have output there's something it needs to achieve and i was thinking about it and it's it's very clear to me that that writing or rather whatever is written in your book is a code and it's also an it's also the outcomes that you're supposed to achieve out of what has been put inside of you but you don't know the outcome most of the time unless they're revealed to you supernaturally or somebody who has been praying about you most of the time the stories i hear about is my grandmother or my grandfather said i would become this and this sometimes not even the parents who realize it it's other people it may be even parties outside of our normal social connection it could be a, a preacher visiting in town or you know somebody who just you know meets you for a particular moment gives you a word of prophecy even if it's not called a, a word of prophecy but it is in a sense saying this is what you're going to become and that gives us a beacon it shows us ah so that's the harbor i'm out in the sea and even when the seas are, are rough we know that 
I am heading that direction. And uh, sometimes the dream that we dream of ourselves doing certain things that also serve as that beacon that show us when it's dark this is where you're 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 heading to and this is your bound or this is your land this is actually the span of your territory and this is what it's going to look like when you're at your full fullest uh, pinnacle at the highest peak of your existence and those moments can come to us in those dreams or even visions i strongly believe that as much as we give credit to the enemy to planning shortfalls and hindrances and barriers that even more powerful is that code it's what is written because the word of god must be fulfilled and it's not just the word in the bible i believe even the the words that are put in the book that is written of you are supposed to be fulfilled at all costs and the enemy will try to hinder that but the truth is if we are keen to cooperate with the kingdom of Yahweh Elohim our father who art in heaven if we are keen to cooperate with that kingdom that sent us out as their ambassadors then we will ultimately be cooperating with the plan of God concerning our life and that is our greatness that is our legacy that is his um mission for you on earth which ultimately is going to be your plaque or or tombstone or marker or what we will know you and remember you for so the enemy also gets to hear word that this great person has been born just like Jesus he learned that Jesus had been born and Herod who was a power at the time and I talk about how different powers human powers kings rulers are used by the kingdom that they ascribe to in this case I don't think Herod was a Christian or I, it's it's clearly it's clear that he didn't fear God and the powers that were in him or controlling him remember there is no neutral territory you either worship God or you worship an idol or a different god with a small g and he was threatened by the mere fact that a person a baby that has just been born has been described as a king he didn't seek to find out a king of what territory or even when he was going to be king just the mere fact that he was king or had been labeled as king was a threat So it's important that we get to acknowledge that the enemy is ridiculously and extremely threatened by your existence. Your existence being neutral whether you know Christ or not. And so what's going to happen because greatness is in you, the book of Genesis at the first chapter says that we uh, I believe it's chapter 2 we're supposed to dominate subdue multiply that's not a small is not a description of weakness and yet 
us being created in the image of God is challenged. That image of God in us is challenged from the crib or even from conception. Because the enemy doesn't want you to discover that, that you have that power. Because what it means is that you're going to do great things that are good. I remember Satan is not for the kingdom of God. He's against it. He violently attacks anything that looks like God. And you look like God because you're created in his image. So he's not going to enjoy seeing you thriving or operating in your godly character or office. Let me just call it your, your, your godliness because you are godly whether you know Christ or not. You have the, the imprint, the fingerprint of God the Father all over you. You have his DNA already. You have his essence because of your spirit. It came from him. Your soul belongs to God the Father. Now, if the enemy is aware that you are great, and yet he is the ruler of the earth, of the world. It says that the enemy is in charge of the world. This was his territory before we stepped in. This is his domain. That's why the Bible talks about worldly systems and authorities. Remember when Daniel was praying? He was, his prayer was opposed by the prince of Persia. That was a demonic authority or ruler so we do have territory to gain back or get back from Satan why because we found him here Adam and Eve were created after the fall of Satan so there are two falls there's a fall of man and the fall of Satan but the fall of Satan happened before he fell from heaven. Jesus said, Behold, I saw Satan. He fell from heaven from glory. He was demoted before man came to earth. And when he came on to earth, this was his territory. You're in it to destroy his work. Jesus said that I came that I may destroy the works of men. I mean the works of the devil. So man came, as long as you're in the image of God, and if Christ is in you, that now becomes your mandate. In other words, in your rulership, in your greatness, you have a second mandate, which is to rule and to reign and to dominate in Christ, specifically for the purposes of the kingdom of God, very specifically, not just for your own good, not just so that you can have accolades and recognition and become a celebrity. That's all good, but you only... You don't only need, I mean, you will not only have that for yourself, but you will actually be able to say, I am doing this for Jesus. I'm doing this for God. I'm doing this for my master. I'm doing this for the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, wherever I arrive and I achieve something, I will achieve it and I will be inviting God to use me in that position of prominence. So I'm not just a famous athlete 
I am an, a famous athlete who is being used by God, being used by Jesus to be his hands, his feet, his mouth, peace, to be him on earth. So I align myself to him and everything that my greatness exudes, whether it's power, opulence, authority, whatever seats of authority I occupy or influence, or even wealth, I ascribe glory to him and I use it for his kingdom. See that? So the enemy knows that. So what does he do? starts to fight you and the best example I can think of is even Moses I think I talked about this in a different podcast Moses was fought from even before he was born there was already a decree that all the boys are gonna any male child so uh, basically Pharaoh was saying as long as there is a birth that has taken place and that birth is of a male that male has got to be killed. Can you imagine that? And now, here comes Moses. Jacobed has given birth to a male, supposed to be killed. Moses was supposed to die even before he had a chance to celebrate his first birthday. And the enemy used a system, a cruel heartless system a cruel heartless person who conceived a cruel and heartless system he said look because of my my fear or rather because of my um because of pharaoh's need for power and his insecurity because the, the children of israel were you know becoming so uh, numerous and they could possibly join the enemy's army and of course that was totally unfounded but he had his fears so to control that and to have control that is the word i was looking for for him to control the situation and to control his kingdom to control the people in his kingdom to ensure that he continued to have power power and control that was it he wanted power and control and most of the time if we want power illegally you have to use controlling methods That is the opposite of trusting God. It's manipulative. So he decides to give this decree. He, he gives that issues the order and it creates a system. What is a system? It's something that keeps in place a certain status quo and ensures that people have a ceiling. You don't go beyond a certain level and guarantees certain outcomes for eternity if possibly infinitely because that system keeps certain rules and and principles in place so the principle in this case was no male child no male israelite children no male israelite would be born or would exist from a certain date so moses is caught up in that and when that doesn't work he's born with a stutter as if that's not enough, he goes into a palace. He's raised with a, by people who are not his people. So he has a confused identity. 
Yet his own heart he knows that he's a deliverer. How does he know? When he sees a fellow Israelite being oppressed, what does he do? He kills the Egyptian. He kills the Egyptian. What does that mean? It hurt him that Israelites were being persecuted by the Egyptians, were being oppressed rather. I mean, he could have said, look, I'm in the palace, I'm safe. Why didn't he, why didn't he consider that? He could, have, he could have remained undercover and said, you know what, brothers, I'm sorry, but at least I'm with Pharaoh in his household. At least I'm adopted into privilege. But the, the code in him said no. The code, the word, the written word, the word spoke into his actions and even when it didn't seem like he was thriving and he goes into the wilderness and runs away quote-unquote runs away he becomes a fugitive from his own homeland and goes to a different land to escape Pharaoh even then the word the written word still speaks and he continues to live out his purpose because he wasn't ready. He wasn't ready to start his work until much later on when he has learned self-control. Murder doesn't just happen. That means there was a deficiency in his character. That's why you kill, you steal, you lie. There's a fleshly inclination in him that he needed to guard himself from and master and it may have taken him that whole time to master that fleshly or natural appetite to solve things quickly you know and some of us it's anger for some of us it's it's in the blood it, it's something that runs through the bloodline you know so if it took 40 years for him to learn to, to detox maybe even from his experience um, rising I mean growing up in a palace it probably needed he probably needed to decant or distill until he was at a place where God could appear to him and request of him formally because you know he had already been sent out to do this work but now he had to be formally commissioned by God and told hey this is what I want you to do for me deliver my children out of this land this is not their land and Moses didn't, didn't have the whole picture at least the, the word of God doesn't tell us that that he was told the detail of it he was just told I'm the I'm the I'm the God of your father, Abraham, and of Isaac, and of Jacob. And this is what I want you to do. I have seen the oppression of my people. Remove them from this place. And take them to another land. Deliver them to their rightful inheritance. To their rightful position. They are not where they are supposed to be. It's time for them to go. And of course, Pharaoh, being Pharaoh, he doesn't want them to leave. 
the same person who's killing you also doesn't want you to go <laughs> the, the the oppressor wants you to remain oppressed so from the word go the enemy had worked out a plan and moses acknowledges that one of the plans of the enemy was working his confidence was robbed in the previous podcast um one of the one of the segments in this podcast i talk about the confidence confidence is something you need and by stuttering moses was actually um he he used that as i don't call it an excuse but he was acknowledging that you know what i don't think i'm up to the task how many times does the enemy convince us that we are not up to a task because of something in you that you didn't even bring upon yourself but it's innate and it was in the bloodline probably maybe someone knows a stutterer whatever but it's come upon you and now in your mind because of it it's a it's a clutch it's almost like i am crippled because of this thing and i cannot rise to my full potential or greatness because of it and of course the lord um the father of god totally rubbishes that it is not a factor he says you're going to walk with that limp and you're going to get to that palace and talk to pharaoh even with your disability what is your infirmity or what do you consider to be your infirmity that the enemy and your mind has convinced you that because of it you can't do god's work you can't fulfill your mission you cannot rise to greatness because of it now, lot, now there probably a lot of things that god had spoken or or time had helped to heal moses of from the time that he spent in the wilderness maybe he was not as compulsive anymore maybe he maybe the the space of that time had placated him enough and made him docile and humble and meek maybe it had humbled him but there are still some things that needed to be removed and one of them was that that he was considering the stutter as a hindrance or blockage which the enemy could very well have put because i see in in deliverance there are deliverance ministers who actually cast out the demon just like being deaf or dumb jesus cast out a a, a mute demon a demon of yeah a mute and dumb demon so it could very well have been a demon that had gotten into him maybe even in his womb that caused him to stutter and for that reason it became a clutch i can't do this i cannot achieve my greatness because of this stutter what is the impediment that you're giving attention to is it your looks is it that you don't have education you don't have a degree or you're not married or it's because of where you live 
or because of your bank account balance? What do you place as an impediment because you don't drive a car or because you don't have XYZ or your own physical um, abilities? You don't sing well, you don't talk, you're not oratory, you have impaired vision, whatever it is. I hear the Lord saying, it's, I will override your perceived impediment or infirmity. Whatever it is, it's not big enough to stop God from using you. It's not big enough. A human being will consider it. But remember when David was being anointed as king, the Lord said to Samuel, I haven't chosen, uh, I think it was Eliab, I haven't chosen him. Because, you know, someone was looking at this tall um, son of Jesse and he thought, surely this must be the king that God wants me to anoint. He said, no, I don't look at the physical. Man looks at looks and considers that but I look at the heart and more importantly which is the aspect I'm bringing today is what is it that you came on this earth to achieve what code is written for you to enact and act out for Jesus and for the kingdom of God Let's get our confidence back. Let's stop looking at the weaknesses. Let's take them to the altar. Let's take them to God and say, you know what? I I don't believe in myself because of this. I think it will stop me from doing what you sent me to to do on earth. And he'll give you the solution. If you need an Aaron, he'll tell you he's Aaron. There's this person who's going to help you with this thing or this tool that you could use. But let it not stop you. The enemy has different plans to stop us. At the end of the day, it's whether you cooperate with them or not that matters. I choose not to cooperate. How about you? Along with the barriers I just talked about, there are also blockages. Following through with this um, story or narrative of Moses and the story of how he delivered or the process of him delivering the children of Israel out of Egypt where they were slaves and they were oppressed. That process was not a one-day event. As soon as he presented himself to Pharaoh, he was was in trouble the trouble began and you see this back and forth and contest with the magicians who represented a different god other than yahweh and they're using powers from the realm of darkness that is who is hindering us most of the time it's the kingdom of darkness it's satan and he puts these hindrances so that you can give up And Moses, luckily, thank God, pushes through it because God keeps pushing him. And and God keeps telling him, I have hardened Pharaoh's heart. And that brings me to my point. Sometimes it's God that puts that barrier, not directly, but he said, I have hardened Pharaoh's heart. Why? To toughen you up. Because if you just show up in your raw form, you're going to mess things up. If you don't have the fortitude and tenacity and endurance it takes for you to deliver your mandate, 
you're not only going to discredit the kingdom of God, but you're also going to ruin yourself and your reputation. Nobody will trust you again. So it's important that he keeps us up to the level of the calling or the work that he wants us to do because it's a, it's a huge role. It's a huge task. That's why you're great. People are great because of what they accomplish. And so for that mountain to be mowed down, the mountain that you are facing, the mountain that you're supposed to scale, for you to actually scale it, you need training, but you also need the tenacity in the moment of your climbing, in the minutes, in the hours, in the days, in the decades of climbing. That you know, you need to have the tenacity to to endure until you reach your your goal. And part of the training that Moses went through is keep coming, keep hitting, keep going at it, keep going at it, keep trying, keep pushing, keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking out for that freedom of your people that you wanted so badly that you killed an Egyptian more than 40 years ago. So we have the solution. We are the solution. But we need to be ready to take on and bring to fruition that solution to its completeness. Murdering one Egyptian wasn't going to solve the Israelites' problems. It was literally leaving that land for good. And that's what God wants to, you to do. He needs you to sort out some issues for good. So they never show up in your bloodline, never show up in your country, never show up in your nation, in your community, never show up again. And it's going to take your endurance, your tenacity, your persistence. So the enemies barricade or barrier was actually a preconceived it's something that God uses it's something he said I could use that you want to come against my kid I could use that how am I gonna use that I'm going to use it to strengthen him not to break him not to bring him down not to kill him not to kill her see what you're going through is not supposed to kill you it's not supposed to make you throw in the towel and say that's it I'm not even going to pursue my dream anymore. After what they did to me in that boardroom, after what they told me, after I made my presentation, after what my mother said to me, after what my sister has done to me, you know, it's very easy to say, you know what, it's fine. I no longer will pursue it. I won't pursue the degree. I won't pursue my, my dreams. I won't pursue starting a family. I will not pursue it. And yet that's what God needs you to do. But it's supposed to help you to maneuver. Because every time Moses was frustrated, God gave him a new word. He said, go back and do a different thing. And there was always a different thing. Until the very last one of the plagues, where God actually killed the firstborns and that did it. But we need to grow in our faith and in our character, each time Moses, I believe, was learning something new. Every time the scenario presented with him a new challenge that helped him understand his opponent, 
And sometimes God needs you to wrestle with the opponent long enough, long enough to master him. And say, yeah, now I think I, I got you. I know what you're about. And I have this strategy that is going to finish your pride, that is going to finish um, your, your plan against me, that is going to thwart your plan against me. I know what is going to break the arrows that you're sending against me. What will demolish and destroy you, you the enemy. I finally know what will break and destroy you. Why? Because now I know you. You cannot fight something you don't know. You have to master it knowing what it is. In fact, you can only master it if you know what it is. You can only confront what you have acknowledged. You can only confront what you've acknowledged. And for you to acknowledge, there has to be a context that brings out the best of your enemy. These are all the weapons I have against you. Poverty, negative mentality, uh, witchcraft in your family, physical ailments, impediments of infirmities. Nobody respects you. You being a last born, you don't have a voice, you don't have a say, they don't know you, they don't respect you, they don't seek to know you. You have a spirit of rejection, so nobody has time to listen to what you have to say because already they're repelled, you know? You need now to be able to see all the different um, weapons in the armory of your enemy and what works in your possession to counter the attacks that you're receiving and the different forms that they are taking, the different forms and shapes that they end up taking. And you have to have a comeback for all of them. All of them. All of them. Until finally, you master and you prevail. So the beauty about all this is that, like I said previously, the kingdom that you come from is not short of equipment. You will be equipped in your soul, in your spirit, in your physical, you will be equipped, you will be trained and equipped. Even by the Holy Ghost himself, the Holy Spirit will teach you everything you need to know. He will bring scenarios that will train you. He will put you in boot camps of workplaces and situations and what you had to overcome whether it's fear whether it is alcoholism in your family whether it was an abusive parent you will be given the necessary training and they are not short of ways to counter attack the enemy's attack god has a whole room of armory waiting for you to utilize you just need to ask to ask God how do I overcome this which weapon can I use against this how do I use this weapon if it's a weapon of prayer do you even know how to pray effectively what gets the attention of the enemy what not only gets his attention but also destroys him destroys his 
agenda against you? What is it that is the appropriate weapon for each and every encounter? David, if you remember, didn't come at Goliath with a spear. It wouldn't have worked. First of all, David's spear would have been like a needle to Goliath. You know, it would have been ridiculous trying to use that against him. The appropriate weapon for David was exactly what God had trained him to use all along. What David had been used to using, as he tells Saul, is actually what he needed. He said, I'm not used to this armor. I'm not used to your kind of way of fighting. This is how I do my thing. And that is exactly what he needed to defeat the, the armies of the Philistines. That's what he needed to kill Goliath. That was all was needed at the end of the day was to kill Goliath. But you need to have the right means and equipping is what God does best. He will train you. He will equip you. He will even go ahead of you to guarantee that what you're about to do is already a sealed and done deal. Remember that the armies of God go ahead of you, but it doesn't mean that you yourself are unable to deliver. You need a specific trained army of the heavenlies to now defeat the the accompanying spiritual armies that are fighting you on the ground because those who are on the ground fighting you are backed by others that you don't see. So not only will he equip you to fight your, the physical ones that you're seeing to, to defeat the enemy of whether it's poverty, defeat the enemy of alcoholism, defeat the enemy, but even the demon behind it, he sends you armies to conquer that and kill it, destroy it for good, destroy it, annihilate Remember, I talked about how Joshua was visited by an angel who said, I am the commander of the armies of the Lord. I have come. Here I am. You've got backup. We're going to do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. So I think the important thing to remember is that God uses what the enemy uses for his purposes. I'm reading the book of Job right now, but even without having to read it again, just from memory, remember at the end, Job was given double. He got even more beautiful daughters. He got even more wealth and he was already wealthy. But that experience brought to his attention who God truly was and the power and the amount of Foo, the magnificence of this God that he worshipped before he would he would just sacrifice because perhaps my children have done something wrong and, and God is angry with them. But now he started to worship God from a place of personal, very personal experience, a personal encounter with him. And that changed him completely. It changed even the physical things that he possessed it changed him materially 
but it began with it changing him and the enemy's request worked for good it says that all things work together for good for those who are called by his name and walking according to his purposes you are experiencing something that can only make you stronger why because it cannot kill you unless you put it in your head that it is supposed to kill you it's not supposed to kill you it's supposed to give you a comeback anointing with something that will now guarantee your success or increase the chances of you being successful the next time because every time you're learning something new so when the enemy says i'm going to use this against them god says i could use that i could use what you want to use i'll use it i'll apply the law of override that even while you're using that i will give them the power to transcend it that's exactly what happened see you next time